You can open to Deuteronomy chapter 29. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 29 and 30, which is a microcosm of the book of Deuteronomy. It kind of captures the whole book in, I, I say microcosm. Uh, but to, if we're really going to do a good study of Deuteronomy 29 and 30, of course we should start in Galatians 3. All good studies of Deuteronomy 29 and 30 start in Galatians 3. So we should probably go there. Let's uh, beseech God to bless our time in his holy word. Father, we would that you instruct us and teach us in the way that we should go. And we want to understand this. I think sometimes there's some confusion about your law. But there oughtn't be. You're so clear about it. So Father, help us to know what you expect from us what you want, Lord, I, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts in such a way that we wouldn't miss it. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 9. So they, then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now I know many people, you know many people, who think, like, I'm going to heaven. Why? Well, I'm a good person. That's their own law. Okay? And that doesn't get anyone to heaven. You're saying, well, I, I go by God's law. I, I know people think they live by the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> You're ridiculous. You're, you're so cute. Oh my goodness. You, it... Uh, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Yeah, I live by that. Uh, not even one day ever. I mean, that's my heart. That's your heart. I get it, but we don't do it. Now, it, the Bible clearly says, as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. And we'll see that in this morning's reading. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law do them. Well, I don't sin. I got a question. Has anyone here ever met a witch? Did you kill them? Because Exodus 22 says you can't suffer a witch to live. Well, you didn't kill them. You didn't, you didn't. Or how about like uh, if you've ever boiled a goat in its mother's milk and you're saying, I'm pretty sure I never did that. But there's a lot to the law. I know people who think they keep the Sabbath, and we've talked about the Sabbath. I have a friend, he's a good, good man. He loves the Lord, he's born again, and he's, he thinks like going to church on Saturday is the answer. And I told him, you keep the Sabbath. He says, well, yeah, you, what do you think? You keep nine out of ten commandments? I don't think you keep any of them, frankly, but, uh, but you know, let's, let's go there for a second. Let's talk about that. Did you plant your garden this year? He said, well, of course I did. On the Shemitah year? Oh, horrors. You don't keep the Sabbath. You don't keep the Shemitah. It's a lot more than what day of the week you go to church. As a matter of fact, as we know here, uh, Sabbath has nothing to do with what day of the week you go to church. It means what day of the week you abstain from work. And we can talk about that another time. But I never met a Sabbath keeper. I never met a Sabbath keeper. Not one who keeps it like... And the Bible says, Cursed everyone continueth not, and all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Another good example is circumcision of the law. 
I'm not checking. I mean, if that's a, if that's a new standard we got to meet, I'm not the one who's checking. I'm, I just will appoint a deacon or something. And okay, we got half the guys here uncircumcised. Let's uh, schedule a moil to come. And uh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I'm going there. Uh, look, look, look. Uh, we don't do that. Aren't you glad we don't have to keep the law? Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The blessing of the law? No, the curse of the law. Because if you don't do everything all the time perfectly forever, you're guilty of all. And we see that in many places in the New Testament. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now let's, we're ready for Galatians. Sam, Adam, uh, I don't understand. I mean, you talk about blessing. There is blessing if we follow the law. And by the way, remember, we're not saying the law is bad. The law is good. Romans says the law is good. If a man use it lawfully, how do you use it lawfully? Well, I'll tell you how to use it unlawfully. Try to get saved by doing it. But the... the the law tells us the heart of God. It tells us, you know, what things are right and what things are wrong. The problem is us. You can't keep your end of the bargain. Well, here they're saying, you know, here, blessed is the man do this. And we say, amen, amen. Blessed is the man, amen, amen. The curse is the one who does this and curse is the one who does this. And we looked at that last week. That wasn't easy for me to teach. We were talking about cannibalism. We were talking about bestiality. We were talking about a lot of unsavory things that if you... Pick and choose what you are to teach. You'd never touch these subjects at all. But me, verse by verse, just plunge right in. Don't know enough uh, to skip stuff. Besides, I always felt God needed a, someone who proclaimed his word, not someone to edit his word. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 29. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Horeb again is Sinai. Uh, Moab here is just opposite the Jordan, just opposite Jericho. They can see Jericho from here. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, unto Pharaoh and unto all his servants, unto all his land. Now he's going to take them through their history. God does this very often. We were talking Wednesday night about the monuments that we build in our lives. Why? Memorials. So I've been here. Uh, you know, I've been around this uh, uh, before, messed up, bought the T-shirt, went sideways. I don't want to do that again. And we put a memorial there, a marker, danger to go around this area. Don't, don't fall prey to that. And so he's doing that. He's reminding of the, of the history. Peter does that in the New Testament. Paul does that. Peter does that. He says, hey, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I don't, I don't mind stirring up your remembrance. Paul does the same thing. Several places. 
John says, hey, I don't got a new commandment. I'm just going to remind you of the old commandment that you love one another. Scripture is rife with reminders. Uh, we, we were... Do, we are at dinner, and I, I don't know if it was the placemats or something. Or so, we, we get this game going, like we're supposed to comment on the per, give them a nickname of the person on your right or something. So I was a person on one lady's right or whatever it was, and, and she called me Captain Redundant. And I thought, like, now she was, like, going easy, like, I, I don't mean that in a bad... And I think, like, hey, 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 that's fine, that's fine. You, you mean I repeat myself? That's how we learn. That's how the first time I say something, you say, I never thought of that before. And then the second time I say it, you say, oh, yeah, yeah. And the third, by the time you're sick of it, you got it. That's how we learn. It's because it's, I used to know stuff that I don't know now. I'll know it again when I get to that section again. But a lot of things, my brain leaks, it's, and yours does too. It's the way that it is. So I remind you of these things. Well, Moses does that, and he does it here. You, you know about Egypt and Pharaoh and all his servants and unto all his land. The great temptations, that's trials there, which thine eyes have seen, the signs and those great miracles, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to, per, to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. You still don't have it. And here, is he blaming them because you don't have the, the heart to acknowledge this? Or is he blaming God that God hasn't given you that yet? I'm not exactly sure. I'm a little hazy on that. Because it almost sounds like a rebuke, but he's saying God hasn't done that for you yet. He won't in the Old Testament. I think the law is spiritual, and I think it has to be spiritually discerned by the Spirit of God, who's not given until Christ is glorified. So Christ dies, suffers for our sins, buried, is resurrection, and then he's set on high, glorified, at the right hand of God, and then the Spirit of God is sent. And we understand things that Moses didn't understand. We understand things. I imagine prophets are given prophecy, and they're saying, what am I talking about? You think Daniel understood the book of Daniel? We do in a large extent that he never could, never never. Never, I'm sure he didn't. He's, he's praying, God, what, what is this stuff? And you remember the angel Gabriel comes to him and explains some stuff to him? You remember that? The spirit of truth, we're told, leads us in all truth. Thank you, God. But I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. Wow. That's a miracle. I don't have any 40-year-old clothes, I think, except my lucky socks from high school. I, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I have any 40-year-old clothes. And we don't, they don't last that long. And the other part about that is that they go out of style. So, so they're 40 years old. I wonder if the styles change that much. And they still, but hey, yeah, 40 years ago. I, I remember buying uh, the uh, kids when they were little, buying them clothes. Um, Adam would wear a sack of, empty sack of oats. He didn't care. We just put him in anything. He was fine. And not that we'd do that. But Micah, you know, we let them have a, a voice in what they were. Because I hated that when I was a little kid. Your mom would buy me these things and I'd like, I wouldn't wear that to a dog fight, you know, and stuff. And so I had to always wear my favorite. They'd be like, you know, you wear the same pair of jeans. At the end of the week, they get up and run off on their own stuff before you put them on, you know. But... But I didn't have a say in how I dressed, how I looked. 
We, we always let the kids, and, and Mike would go right to the, the most expensive, you remember that? The most expensive thing on the rack, everything's like thirteen ninety-five and the $40 pair of pants, that's what he wants. It's like, yikes, you're killing us, kid. But it, we wouldn't mind them if they lasted 40 years. If he was still wearing them, that'd be fine, right? If they grew with them, you know, same shoes we bought. We'd buy you $100 sneakers. They always wanted them real expensive sneakers, you know. If they lasted 40 years, it would be a good investment. You have not eaten bread, nor that neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you might know that I am the Lord your God. We haven't drunk wine or strong drink. No, they're drinking water and manna. And manna, obviously fortified with enough vitamins and minerals, and all, they're, not, they're not, it's fine. It's all they need. And when you came into this place, that's Moab, by the way, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against the, us under battle, and we smote them. And we took their land and gave it for an inheritance unto the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Let's just visit here for a second. They came, Moses, hey, pasture lands, whole cities here. We like this. We want ours now on this side of the Jordan. I always think that's a symbol for those who settle for less. That's not the promised land. It's right up next to it. God says, hey, 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 I got promises for you. I got abundant promises. I've got, come on in and enter. And oh, no, there's giants in the land. Oh, there's, oh, no, no, no. And there's a lot of Christians who settle for less than God wants for us. I don't know if they're the majority or not. I don't, I don't want to be judgmental. But I know God's saying, hey, I'll deliver you from fear. Oh, we could never be delivered from fear. Hey, hey, I'll take care of bitterness and make that like an ancient history in your life. Oh, I can never. You don't know what they've done to me. Does it matter? God wants to deliver us. He wants to give us promises. He wants to take us into our promised land. He wants us to grab hold of the things for which he's grabbed hold of us. And many Christians settle for less. Many Christians are living in bondage. I'm just saying. Let's keep moving. Uh, keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that ye may prosper in all that ye do. You stand this day... All of you before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders and your officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and thy stranger that is in thy camp, from the hewer of thy wood unto the drawer of thy water, that thou shouldst enter into covenant with the Lord thy God and unto his oath, uh, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God. And as he hath said unto thee, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he looks at them and he says, okay, this is, you're the descendants of the ones I promised this to. And here you are receiving the promise. You remember when they go into the land, the year of the tithe, they go and they take up all the bounty and the kind of first fruits offering. And they stand, they say, hey, you've done everything that you promised, Lord. Here is it on the other side. We haven't got that far yet. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord your God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the, the, 
their children and their children's children and their children's children. And this promises to them also is what he's saying. For you know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt and how we came through the nations which he passed by. And you've seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. Um, we think of a little statuette of Buddha or something like that as an idol. And it is. It is. Pretty innocuous. Their idols are, are filthy and wicked. They're idols of Ashtoreth. And, um, you know, I, I think a, a good book to read on this is uh, um, The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. I'm working through it now. Why is America like America is right now? It's very, very instructive. And by the way, you don't have to buy the book. You can Google Jonathan Kahn, YouTube, uh, The Return of the Gods. And he gives you enough information. He talks enough about it. You don't have to go and buy the book. He might be mad that I'm saying that. Uh, but you, you get all the information that you need. It's not uh, some coincidence. As we turn from God, we open ourselves up to the old gods, or in other words, demonic activity. I don't believe that there's a god named Baal or, or Ashtoreth or in, in any of them, you know. But there are demons posing as these gods, and they have very specific functions and roles. But let's keep moving. You've seen all their abominations. Um, Lest there should be among you a man or a woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations. Lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. Both of those are poisons, by the way. You know, you remember gall from the crucifixion story. They gave uh, Jesus gall and he wouldn't take it when he tasted it. It's a stupefying agent. He drank the, the wrath of the fury of God, the cup of the wrath of fury of God, to the dregs, uh, unprotected by any, like I say, any, any drug or narcotic. Wormwood shows up in the book of the Revelation in an interesting way, but I can't go there now. And it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. So his guy says, you know, I hear all this, but I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to do what God's requiring, but I'll be fine. Does it remind you of anyone you know? Does it remind you of everyone you know? Uh, I'm going to stand before God. It, no, it'll be fine. One, I'm a good person. Two, I think good on my feet. I'll be able to, you know, tell him. I'll answer the questions right and I'll be, I'll be fine. Well, he's addressing that. He's talking about when the one who hears the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I, I shall have peace, so I walk in the imagination of my heart to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him. But then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against this man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. Read here, hell. I don't know how else to say it. And the Lord shall separate him 
unto, uh, unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. So that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses which the Lord hath laid upon it, and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning, that it is not sown nor beareth, nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath, even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done this thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of his great anger? Then men shall say, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them, when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not and whom he had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. Let's stop there for a second. Is that true? Has anyone ever met anyone who's, does anyone know anyone right now who's Jewish or has anyone met anyone who's Jewish? Did you do that in Israel or did you do it in America? Why are there Jewish people in America? Because this verse is true. Duh, we know that. All God's word is true. Uh, Look back in verse 22. The generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land. Again, I'm not a devotee of Jonathan Kahn, but I think he sees some things in a way that most of us don't. He's talking about the stranger, and he says, well, that would be Mark Twain. Wait, what? You remember Innocence Abroad? Some of you have read it and some of you haven't. Uh, I recommend to you Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. You know I'm a big fan. I I, I just say that. Uh, I know they use the uh, N-word liberally, and we cringe every time we hear it because we listen to it on LibriVox. Because uh, it's free, it's in the public domain. Uh, great, great stories both. <coughs> but I haven't read uh, *Innocence Abroad*. But here's a here's a a quote from that. From this is Mark Twain. Now, most of the country is a silent, mournful expanse, dotted with nasty villages of miserable huts and the usual assemblage of squalid humanity. This is just after the Civil War, I think, um, when Mark Twain was there. Disfigured wretches, fringed with filthy rags, and infested with vermin, naked and sore-eyed, children in all stages of mutilation and decay. That's what he wrote about the Promised Land. The stranger that shall come from a far land... America is a far land, I would say. Shall say, when you shall see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses which the Lord has laid upon it. He says, well, that's just a coincidence, Adam. Maybe. But Jonathan Kahn points out that when he was in Jerusalem, Mark Twain, that is, because we know the dates, that the Torah portion they were reading was Deuteronomy 29, this section. Coincidence? Perhaps, if you, if you believe in coincidence. But I think God brought a stranger to the land to chronicle what was there uh, because of the curses that he said were going to happen. 
Mark Twain's name isn't very symbolic of anything, but if you remember, his real name is uh, Samuel Clemens. Samuel, Shmuel, heard of God. Clemens, we don't use that a lot. It means uh, mercy, to be merciful. You know, clemency is mercy. Clemens is to be merciful. Just interesting. I don't know. Uh, again, Jonathan Kahn pointed that out, and I thought, huh, that's interesting, so I just thought I'd share it with you. Um, uh, verse 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. I'd like to talk more about that, but I... It's, a, it's the glory of God to hide a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Says Solomon to us. God likes to hide things, but he hides them in plain sight. And the Spirit of God will reveal them to us because it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Not everything's just plain and obvious, um, but... Enough on that. Chapter 30. I'm making good time, by the way. It shall come to pass when all these things that come upon thee. It shall come to pass when. If, no, when. Why? Because you have an impossible task of keeping the law. Does he know they're not going to be able to keep it? Yes, he does. So why does he give it to us? So that that's our schoolmaster to teach us Bring us to Christ, because we, we understand that we can't keep the law. Listen, it happened with me. I don't know about you. I don't know how you came to the Lord. But I was a religious person, and I was trying uh, to be righteous by religiousness. I was trying to do things that I thought would please God. And I, I, was, I was making a, a horrible a hash of it, as they would say. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing good. Why? Because I was trying to keep God's holy law in the power of my flesh, unaided and, and totally unencumbered by the Holy Spirit. I was trying to do it by religion. Can you do that? Nobody's ever done it yet. Listen, nobody's ever done it yet. Nobody. Zero people. Well, one person has kept the law so that we who can't keep the law, which is everyone I've ever met, he's kept the law for us. And he had to have, or he wouldn't be the perfect sacrifice that he was, that he could offer his own blood to the Lord on our behalf. If he had sinned, he would only be dying for his own sin, not for ours. When all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, because they would do some things and God uh, correctly, and God would bless them. Have you done anything in your life like halfway correctly? By the power of those, marriage, you do marriage correctly? God's got a prescription. This is how it's supposed to be. What about giving? What about fellowship? What about like working for the Lord? You know, are there any parts of your, your, your life that line up with what God says? I'm sure there are. And you have understood what it is to be blessed by God. When you do the things that please God, he can't help but bless. 
I've talked about this at length before. We won't go there now. But the curse, does the curse happen? Yeah. Yeah. All these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord thy God hath driven thee. Has God, has God driven Israel to all the nations? Yeah. Yeah. No, past Assyria, past Babylon, you know, serious scholars of the word, even uh, Jewish scholars of the word, don't believe that all that, you know, that, okay, we come from, back from ba Babylon. Whew! Because all the nations of the world mean all the nations of the world. They know they were headed into captivity again. Uh, Roman uh, diaspora, when they tore down uh, the temple, A.D. 70. Thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Now let's talk about this a little bit. When Israel was scattered among all the nations, there was no Israel per se. It was the Holy Land where, you know, Jewish people used to live. And a lot of people... Uh, a lot of theologians, and I think of like, you know, ones like Martin Luther and John Calvin and stuff like this. They did a very good service when they took the, the Bible and gave it to the common man and brought it back to us. Wycliffe, you know, ones like that. But most of them, theologians, they was, there's no Israel. The, so the promises that God has for the future restoration of Israel... He must mean that for the church. And many of them, people thought along those lines to the point that many people still do. It's called replacement theology. Listen, I think if Martin Luther were here today, he'd say to those replacement theologians that he helped birth, he'd say, what are you guys, crazy? Israel, turn on your TV. It's real. Israel is real. It's the, the name is like a... a a sermon. They're, they're for real. They're, they're back in the land. 1948. What don't you understand about that? Hey, listen, I was in the, what, the 15th, the 16th century. What, what, I didn't know all this stuff. You guys, you can't, you can't still believe that. But there are people still. You talk about this and you'll get angry people. Oh, no, we get all the... Yes, I understand that the, the blessings of Abraham are devolved on the church through Jesus Christ, I get that. But we talked about, like, when we were going to eschatology, we went, I think it was like about five or six or seven Wednesday nights we were talking about the kingdom, that the majority of Christendom does not believe in. Gabriel said to Mary, I I'm going to give, you know, your son the throne of his father David. That's never happened. Yes. Oh, it's going to. Unless Gabriel didn't know what he was talking about. Israel's in the land. It's a real nation. It's, I think it's the centerpiece for all of God's end time 
The theology involved in end times is called eschatology. When you talk about eschatology, a key piece, the key piece of the puzzle is the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. And here he's saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring you back. I will turn your captivity, which not only is just freeing them from being here and there and there, it's returning your fortunes is the idea. I have compassion on you. I will return and gather thee from all the nations where the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Has that happened? Yeah. You've been in Israel? Me and Sue's going in January. We'll, we'll see. If there's not a nation there, we'll tell you, okay? I know some of you have been there. And, and yeah, it's really a nation. You, you, you fly into, a, you know, Ben-Gurion Airport. Is that the one in Tel Aviv? Is that the one? Yeah. That's a real nation. There's a Jewish guide, by the way, who will take you and show you Roman ruins. It's funny because uh, Rome isn't there anymore. Israel is. Anyway, story for another time. If any of thine be, uh, if any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. Aren't you glad about that? Do you want to have a covenant with a God who doesn't keep his promises? You know, that's what the, 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 the uh, replacement theologians at the end of the day are saying, yeah, I'm, God got rid of them. He just, you mean he didn't keep his end of the bargain? That's worrisome for someone like me. I've got a lot of faith in a lot of his promises. And he, he changes his mind? Are you for real? By the way, I, I said the majority of Christendom, I use my ditto fingers, Christendom, does not believe in the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you are millennialists is what they're called. When you are millennialists pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. I know what I'm praying. What are you praying? Thy kingdom come. Jesus, come on back. Set up your throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. I'm, I'm, I'm so ready for that. Let's keep moving. Where am I? Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers, verse 5, possessed, and thou shalt possess it. He will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, which is the true circumcision, by the, the, by the way, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. Because in uh, Genesis 12, where God promises a man named Abraham, the first Jew, and he says, I will bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee. I have never found a verse in Scripture that rescinds that promise. And here it's coming through. All those ones who persecute you, I'm going to put those curses on them. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land, for good. Why? Because your labor is not in vain. We just sang it. Uh... The Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, 
For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. You're going to say, well, this sounds very much like the book of Romans because Paul exploits these verses in the book of Romans to explain Jesus Christ to us. The commandments of God. It is not in heaven, verse 12, that thou should say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it, <coughs> excuse me, and do it, Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. I think it's a, it's a, a choice that God puts before us every day. And you know, one day we answered it and we, we entered into that place of blessing and that place of life. It's called salvation. Now live there. You know, I think a lot of us a lot of times think like, you know, a, a pastor of a church, he would give an altar call and we would go forward and we would pray. I don't know how many of you got saved that way. I didn't. I, a friend of mine shared the gospel with me in the privacy of my own heart. I asked Christ to come into my heart. It was February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1980. I was a mere beardless youth, 21 years old, 20 years old, and I got saved radically converted to Jesus Christ because I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and I said, yeah, wait, he'll take my sin and he'll give me his righteousness? Who doesn't, who doesn't go for that? I'm, I'm a sinful, I'm a wicked human being. I'll take that. But that's the beginning. That's where we say, okay, I'm living for the Lord now. I, I'm saved, what have you done with it? You know, it's not the end product, it's the, it's the day one of life kind of uh, is the idea. And to, to keep his commandments, to walk in the statutes, his judgment, live and multiply. Uh, the Lord God shall bless thee in the land where thou goes to possess it. Uh, uh, every day, it's a faith walk, it's not a law walk. We looked at that in Galatians. We live by faith in Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. But, it's, it's still walking after what the Lord wants us to do. But if thine heart turn away, so thou will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, still people do. You know, it's funny to me. I, I've met some atheists who, they think that they're, I don't believe in God. No, they just change gods. They generally become their own god. They, they, they can tell you what's right. They can tell you what's wrong. They make their own reality. It's, it's kind of... Um, during the tribulation period, you, you receive a mark only if you want to buy or sell. Try living without buying or selling. Maybe you have seven years of product in your pantry. <laughs> Good luck making it through the tribulation. For those who will still be here, I'm saying, but the Antichrist doesn't have, he doesn't allow atheism. You will bend the knee to the Antichrist. It's kind of funny to me because they're saying, oh, I don't believe in it. And yeah, you're, 
At the end of the day, I see everybody's got a belief structure. You tell me, I'm, I'm an atheist. I say, I don't believe in atheism. They don't know what to do with that. I've said before you, this day, life and good, death and evil. Choose, choose wisely. Verse 17, if thy heart turn away so that they will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, and you will, and you will. Listen, America, and you will. It's called woke. It's a religion. Oh, it's a horrible religion. It's a horrible religion. There's no redemption. You ever in your whole life, ever, even once, do something nefarious like say the N-word. You're going right to hell. There's no redemption. There's no, we're going to ruin your life. We're going to cancel you. We're going to hate you. We're going to cloud up and rain on you. We're going to ring your doorbell and run. We're going to just send you hate letters and we're going to deplatform you and there is no redemption whatsoever. Did you ever uh, not celebrate uh, people who are homosexual? Oh my goodness, you've done the worst thing imaginable. You don't believe that there's 70, I don't know, 72 genders? What are you, some sort of Cro-Magnon? Or what, what is your problem? Oh, it's a horrible religion. It's a, there's no redemption. It's, it's, it's a, but it's a religion. And what, what has happened? People have turned away from the God and they just replaced it with a Some God who changes his mind every day and weird stuff, weird stuff. If you turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. Did it happen? It did. Well, is it happening in America? It is. It is. Not you. You're in church on Sunday morning. You love Jesus and you serve him with your heart. I get that. But there's other people listening and this will be broadcast. It'll be on the radio later on at some point. I'm speaking to them too. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Choose life. It sounds like a no-brainer. Most of your friends, the, most of the people, most of your family said, no, I'll take death, thank you very much. Oh, they don't think that way and they don't say that way, but they think they can have life independent of God. <sighs> no. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, uh, to give them. There you have it. Uh, is the choices that need to be made, again, in this room? I would guess not, but I don't know if he's hard. Uh, among all the people listening online and listening on the radio later on, as they say, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Choose life. Um, whatever imagined reason you have for not serving the Savior, it's ridiculous. It, I, I've, I've said all the same 
silly things that everyone else says for not, oh, if God's so merciful, why does he send people to hell? He doesn't. That's a choice that we make. I think we all know that. I've said all the same ridiculous things. And then I was surprised. I, I asked him to save me. I didn't want to go to hell. I, asked, I said, Lord, come into my heart and save me. He did. And i got to tell you something. Everything, 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 everything changed. For good and for God and for better forever. Aren't you happy you were married to some heathen clown? We'd have been so divorced, wouldn't we? Like a million times. And the children would have been brought up in a heathen home and just our, oh, just be just a legacy of disaster. Let's stand. Let's stand. Oh, my goodness. Look at the time. I give, I, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm going to yield the remainder of my time back to, hey, why don't you come on up here, worship people, and we'll, uh, is, is your mom, is your mom good? Okay. Good enough. I don't say anything. We're on the, all right. Lord, we continue to pray for Brenda's mom, uh, Gladys, and that you would heal her and uh, from the pain she's been in lately. And Father, we uh, thank and praise you for being good to us, Lord, and for giving us life. It's a wonderful thing being your son, to be your daughter. Uh, it's, a it's a wonderful thing to live in your blessing. It's a wonderful thing to open this word and have you speak to our hearts in such a way that we can understand Father, thank you, praise you, bless your holy name. As we go from this place today, Lord, keep these things among us in our heart and on our, on our mind. We may continue to, to reflect on them and to, to be blessed by them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.